So 50 days after um, Passover, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish people, and they still, some of them still celebrate, is, is Pentecost, is, is the feast of, of the harvest. And so what happened was a, a great phenomenon happened upon uh, the church. As you know, Christ was buried, he was resurrected, he arose, he made himself known to believers. And then before he left, in fact, uh, in Luke 24:49, I think I have it, and, and if we can't see this, I'm, I'm sorry, we're working on all that stuff. Luke 24:49 says, Jesus said, Behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you, have been, you, have been, you are endued with power from on high. And so he said that this promise of God is to empower you to be my witnesses, okay? And so if you want to turn, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, as you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Pastor Tom and his congregation. I pray you bless them. I pray that they are fruitful. They reach more people. I pray you provide for them all that they need, finances, building people, whatever they need to build your kingdom, you give it to them and protect them and let them continue taking the gospel into the dark places and bless them. And Lord, thank you that we can be a part with them. And Lord, today now, as we look into the word, let the word come alive to us. Let your spirit flow into us and let us enjoy the promises of Pentecost. Father God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, what's happening is uh, 120 believers are are in what's called the upper room. They're praying. They're waiting on God. Some of them are fearful. They're not sure what's going to happen because, you know, the head of the church now has disappeared. And so they're praying and they're waiting on God. And all of a sudden, the sound of a mighty blowing wind comes in. And, And so they're there and, of course... They see what seems to be fire on, on people's heads, and they begin to speak in other languages of the Holy Spirit happens. So here's, check out what happens. After they're filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the the parts of of Libya, near serene visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And so the Holy Spirit comes upon them. He, he, the, the 120 believers begin to speak in an unknown tongue that's not known to them. The people rush and see what's going on. They hear this mighty wind. They, they might see these, these tongues of fire that's upon the believers. And they begin to say, how is this? Because we each understand the message God has spoken to them. Isn't that awesome? So this is what we would consider then the, the birth of the church. And I'm not going to read all this, but we're going to go a little bit further in a few moments. So then Peter, they say, what is this going on? These guys are drunk with wine. Peter gets up and says, no, it's nine in the morning. They're not drunk as you suppose. And then he talks about what happens. And he said, this is the promise of the Father. And Joel it talks about this happening. And he goes on. He begins to preach through, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it, it says that the, the people begin, they are cut in heart. The message is so powerful. They said, what must we do? He says, you must repent, you must be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And so then it says from that point on, about 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Isn't that exciting? 
Yeah, it's exciting. That's exciting. And then, and then it just says it goes on and it says that they begin to fellowship. They devote themselves to prayer, the word, and the fellowship with breaking the bread. And then it says the, 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 the disciples were doing um, many miraculous things. And then it says daily people were added to the church. And the church went from 120 people hiding in an upper prayer room to all of a sudden thousands of people every day now coming to know Jesus. And the church began to spread like wildfire. And it's not stopped since that time. Amen? So what I want to talk about just is, is there are many promises in the Bible. Amen? Come on, amen? Many promises in the Bible, but specifically one great promise that is, is a power pack. I mean, how do you like vitamins? I take my vitamins and I'm, you know, I exercise and, and each one of these vitamins. How many take multivitamins? How many know what multivitamins are? Okay. How many of you know where you're at today? All right. So, 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 so like people will take multivitamins and they're like, it's power packed. And so the promises of God are powerful. But this promise, the promise of the Father, is a multifaceted, it's a power-packed gift for the believers. In fact, it says that it will be for your sons and daughters and for those who are here and those who are far off. And so it is for us today. And you see, we're going to look at, just for a few moments, the, the promises. I put promises of Pentecost. So the first one is, write this down, is promise. The first is the promise. It's the promise of the Father. Write this down here. It is the promise of Joel 2.28. It says, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on, on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. In other words, God says, I don't want to leave my believers without me in their lives, without power in them, without anointing. And specifically in the Old Testament, if you look in the Old Testament, there were times when the Holy Spirit came upon prophets, some of the kings, it came upon different people. It, it came upon them when they needed, and then he would depart. And now God says, I'm not going to do that anymore because now Christ has come. It is all finished. He's, he has now set up everything. I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon every believer that wants to be the Holy Spirit to be poured out on. Every one of us have the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. But this promise is what's called the overflowing of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, the, where it overflows out of our lives. And so this promise, listen to this, Luke 24, 49 again, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you will tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, if you know, you've been here long enough, that word power means dunamis. Dunamis is the root word where they get the word dynamite. And what it means is dunamis means miraculous power. So he says, you guys wait in Jerusalem until miraculous power, supernatural power comes upon you, and then you'll be my witness. So he's saying, I'm going to send you out, not in your power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. This promise is better than any human promise. This promise gives you wisdom, knowledge, discernment, and power. This promise is not like the promise of a politician, right? We know the promise of a politician. If you're a politician, I love you. If you aspire to be a politician, I love you. I'm praying for you. But oftentimes, how many times we've seen a promise of a politician say, I'm going to give this to you. And then when they get in the office, they're like, oh, what? 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 And see, when God gives a promise, he's not like that. Amen? He says, this promise is for you and for those who are far off. And in this promise is to empower you. Okay, everybody, just kind of touch yourself. I'm gonna first, make sure you're awake. Now, this is flesh, right? Okay, we live in a natural world, right? So the problem, though, is sometimes we think that we only live in a natural world. We are spiritual beings as well. We have body, we have mind, and we have spirit. 
And when it, you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit wakes up your spirit. And then this promise of the Father not only awakens your spirit, but it empowers your spirit with power to do mighty things. Remember Pastor Tom was talking about they are breaking through strongholds. We sang that song, The Victor's Crown. Every high thing must come down. Strongholds will be broken. And that's what the power of God is for. So that we don't just live in a physical world. There is a spiritual world just as, that we live in just as well. Amen? And so when Christians receive the Holy Spirit, they become alive spiritually. And, and, and they're different. They have power to deal with the things of the world. So the second thing is power. Power. Number two, power. In Acts 1, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word power, again, it means dunamis. It means miraculous power. So God says, I'm going to clothe you with miraculous power so you'll be my witness and the kingdom of God will grow. Acts 2.43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Jesus told the disciples, Hey, wait in Jerusalem, get this power, and then go out. Again, you might say, why didn't he give them political power? Why didn't he give them money? Why didn't he give them military power? Think about that. I mean, we live in a world where we think, we think money, politics, and military have, is all the power, right? Come on, we think that sometimes. We think if we get the right person in the White House, we get the right people, we have enough money. I mean, how many times you and I have been driving in our car and it's like, you know, dumping it on your jalopy? And like, Man, if I just had a billion dollars and I could just live life easy, right? And you think, I would just solve all of my problems. But how many times have we seen that politics, money, and, and armies are not the, they're not always the answer? And God says, I'm going to give you dunamis, miraculous power, because this cannot be corrupted. It can, but it's not usually corrupted, because politic, political power, money power, and military power are limited in themselves, and they can be abused. True? How many times in history have we seen those three things become corrupt, or abuse, or destroy people, or nations, Right? You see, when God comes upon us, He says, the power I give you is even, it's greater than political power, it's greater than money power, and it's greater than any military might. It's God's supernatural power in you. Think about that for a second. You. Say me. Come on. So God says, my miraculous power is in you through the Holy Spirit. It's given to you to do great things. Acts 10.38, I got a lot of scriptures and you don't, have to, you, you don't have to read them all, but you can write them down. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and, he, and how He went around doing good, healing all those under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. So the, the Holy Spirit is given to us to do good. Divine said, I'm going to do good, because God is good to me. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon us and says, I want to do good to my family member, my coworker, my neighbor. How many of you know people, don't raise your hand and don't point at the person, who's addicted to something? And it's destroying their lives. And I, I don't know how many times I, I watch cops sometimes. You know, anybody watch cops on TV? Bad boys, bad You know what I'm talking about? You don't. That's okay. They don't watch. Okay. So as a pastor, I have dealt with people. And as a police chaplain, I have ridden with cops. And I have seen the effects of alcohol and drugs upon people. And my heart breaks because I've seen people literally who've been addicted to stuff where, where their teeth are falling out, where they, we look at their license or, or the cops said, look, this is what they used to look like. And they were, this person was a full, beautiful person, full of skin. And then we see them a year later or, or months later and they're just, they're, they're maceed and their teeth come. I remember one time we were, we were out, I was with the cops and there was this man laying in the middle of the, like in, on the sidewalk on Runfield Pike. And we go and the cops pick him up and we, and, and, and I look at the guy and I said, this guy's gotta be like 65, 65 years old. I mean, he was just horrible looking. And we're looking through his ID, and, and then all of a sudden we look at it, and the guy was younger than me. I'm only 48, and this was probably five or six years ago. 
And the guy, would, I mean, reeked of alcohol. And I thought to myself, Jesus, save this man. This is why the Holy Spirit is here. So we can set people free that are in bondage to darkness, bondage to, to addictive things that are destroying their lives. He gives us miraculous power. And that person, if that person finds Jesus, they can be free of that. Amen? Come on, church. So, so politics and money and military power aren't always the answer, but the supernatural power of God trumps all things. And, and write this down. I'm not going to read it, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 through 5 says, The, the weapons of our, our, our God are mighty. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's when, when the enemy gets hold of a nation or a thing. If you have a friend or a family member who's addicted to something, you begin to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind that. I break that stronghold down. And one of the strongholds in our nation is a stronghold of abortion. It's a stronghold. We're killing millions of unborn babies yearly. And the church like, well, I'm busy. You, you've got to get on your knees and pray in the Holy Spirit. Say, I bind this evil upon our land. Amen? Come on, this is part of what God gives you. If you're in business and you're getting ripped off by someone, you can say, I, re- I bind this evil spirit. When you have, talking about this guy, this babu, who was vexed by stuff, you can say, in the name of Jesus, I bind this vexing spirit. This is your power. Oh, not me. I'm not into that. I'm not into that rolling on the floor and that hallelujah dancing. That's not what that's about. God gives you power to defeat the enemy. Amen? Power. Let me move on. I've got to move on. The, the third thing is presence. I'm not going to read this. Acts 2, 4, it says, Then the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues. And a crowd came and said, What's going on? What is this? Them speaking in tongues. Now, in this church, you'll hear us speaking in tongues at times. And what it is, when the tongues came upon the believers, and they began to be filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, the Holy Spirit came. It was evidence of God's presence in the room. Okay? So one of the evidences, not, that's not the only one, but one of the evidences of when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in, a, in another tongue. It's a heavenly language. It's God's presence. The last couple of Sundays, during the, sometime during the worship time, we had a tongue and interpretation. That was evidence that God's presence was here. He's always here, by the way. But that was one of his evidences. And so this was new to them because their evidence in their in their well, Old Testament Jewish mindset was they would go to the temple often and they would be worshipping. Sometimes angels would come and, or uh, once a year during the sacrifice, the day, the, the day of uh, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, God's presence would be there. Now God says, my presence is with you. So one of the promises of Pentecost is the presence of God. Of course, you're saved. He's with you. But the presence of God is through you now through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so some of us, when I, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, I grew up in a Baptist church. The Baptist church was anti-tongues. We don't talk about that. And so then I, I, I fell into, when I went off to college, I met some uh, spirit-filled Christians and some Assembly of God guys, and I started going to their church. It was a little weird. I'm, I'm honest, it was weird. They're speaking in tongues. They're raising hands. Because at the Baptist church, we never, we had hymnals. And you just look down at it and you like, you know, holy, holy, and that's it. You know, and I love that song, by the way. I love that song. And, and so then I went to a Pentecostal church, and they're like raising their hands, and they're clapping, and they got a full worship band. I'm like, I like that. That's nice. You know, and they're getting a little excited, and they're dancing a little bit, and, and then people begin to speak in other tongues. I'm thinking, this is kind of strange, but it's kind of cool because there's something about it. And then a, a word of God would come through a, a tongue interpretation, a word of knowledge. And then I began to say, God, I want, I want what you want. I, I want all of this. And so then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I began to speak in tongues. And it was kind of a new experience. And, 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 and so part of the tongues is the presence of God. 
And the gifts of the Spirit are, are, are flowing out of the believers. In fact, I don't have time, but read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-11. through 11. It's on your notes. Write this down. It says there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now let me do a point of theological correction. Okay? Sometimes in Spirit-filled churches, we think the only time the proof that God moves in a church service is there is a tongue and interpretation. Let me correct you. That is not the only time. Because there's the word of knowledge... There's a word of wisdom, there's a prophecy, there's gifts of healings, there's faith, there's miraculous power. And so a lot of times we think, okay, Pastor Stan, God hasn't moved a lot at Rockville Assembly as much because we don't have a lot of tongues and interpretations, but you've missed out on the healings that are happening monthly. You've missed out on the word of knowledge that happens almost every week, the prophecy that happens almost every week. So we get this mindset, it's got to be tongues and interpretations. No, it's, it's the gifts of the Spirit are flowing here. And He gives those not just for you, and then also there's discernment. He gives those not for just inside the walls, but outside the walls. You know, some of you are like, oh, Pastor, my, people, my, my co-workers and family, they would freak out if I started speaking in tongues. You don't have to get wild. But what if you said, you know what, man, you got cancer. Can I pray for you? I, I went and prayed for a friend of mine who had a tumor removed this week. And he's a Catholic guy, and I believe he's a practice Catholic. And I, and I went and I laid my hands. I said, can I lay my hands on you? Can I pray? Absolutely. And I laid and I prayed in the name of Jesus over him. Not that he wasn't praying, but you can pray over people. I've never had anyone say no when I've asked to pray for them. And it says that it's the gifts of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit are in you, so it's power, okay? It's presence of God. These gifts show the power of God. The disciples went out and they laid hands on it and they saw people. And, and I'll tell you a story. And, and uh, I was with a bunch of teenagers. I was a youth pastor back in the 80s. I told you the story before. And there were Mormon missionaries. I love Mormons, but they're, they're biblically not correct, okay? So, just to get you that. So, these Mormon missionaries were in our neighborhood. They were going knocking on doors. And I saw them. And throughout the, the, the day, I was praying. I was like, man, Lord, open their eyes. Don't let whatever they do, don't let it grow to fruition. I bind that in the name of Jesus. So, we were in the van. There was a handful of teenagers. I don't know. We, it was after youth service or going somewhere. So, we had a 15-pastor van. There were probably 10 or 15 youth in the van. And, and I see the missionaries going door to door. And I said, I said, I rebuke that work in the name of Jesus. I command you to stop. These missionaries, they were just happily walking. And they were coming to the front gate. And all of a sudden, as soon as I said, I rebuke that, I command to stop. And they, they just kind of stopped. They stood there for a minute. They like looked at each other. And they looked kind of befuddled. They, they, they turned around and they walked away. And my teenagers were like, Pastor Stan, did you just do that? I said, yes, God's Spirit just did that. Because that's the presence of God. You can do the same thing through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the promise. Let's go to the next one. I've got to move on. The next one is, is purify. Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says the, that the, the room they were meeting in was, there was like the sound of a mighty wind from heaven. And then it says that there were tongues like fire upon them. And so, so as I said, the, the believers were kind of hiding. They were kind of praying. And it already told you that Jesus... 50 days earlier, it sometime it said, receive the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, so the religious system of that time was very controlling, very, it was corrupt in some manners, and it was hard to accept, and it was dead. I mean, the, the laws of Moses, there are over 360 laws of Moses, and you had, to, you had to keep every law to be perfect. That's impossible. Okay, so we're talking about purify, okay? Purify, number four, purify, okay? Jesus was spoken about by John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
It's interesting in nature. Did you know what God uses to purify a forest? Wind and fire. Just say wind and fire. Okay, now you just learn something about God's hand upon ecology. Isn't this awesome? But in the, in the spiritual realm, so he'll use wind and fire to clean out dead wood, dead branch, blow out junk. It's like when you or I drive, don't you hate it and you get all that pollen, the dust blowing on your car? Isn't that awful? But God uses the wind to kind of blow that stuff around and get it out. And so what was happening, the sign was upon the church that God was saying, I'm going to blow out that stale religion. And so the mighty sound of a mighty blowing wind came in and the fire came in. So he was purifying them. He was blowing out the dead religion. And see, sometimes in our Christian faith, our walk becomes what? I lay me down. Right? You come to church, they got same old stuff, hyper pastor, a missionary once in a while, offering, altar. You know what? You need the gift of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life. You need God to blow into your faith right now. Amen? Amen? And so what, what it does, it purifies us of our flesh. It burns out dead religious theology, dead things that are keeping you from growing. And so the wind of the Spirit blows in. In fact, in Ezekiel, I don't have time to read it, but it says that, that he says, I will breathe life and come alive to these dry bones. And if your faith is dry, say, God, blow into my life with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on, number five, prayer. Pentecostal, powerful prayer. Just write prayer. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Acts 2, 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Prayer is important. 120 believers, check this out. They're praying, they're praying, they're hiding under the pews. Oh God, please send some help. We don't know where Jesus is. Oh, help us. The Romans are out to get us. The Jewish people, they hate us. And all of a sudden, the, the wind of the Spirit blows. The tongues comes upon them. And they go from hiding in prayer to having bold prayer. Amen? They go from hiding and trying to get away from the world to saying, we're going to confront the world. Because then, check this out. Check this out. Acts 2.47 And praising God in the favor of the people and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Acts 4.31 After they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken. Do you see that? They went from hiding to prayer that shook the place. You're not getting excited. Your prayer life, if it's dead, you need the Holy Spirit to come into your prayer life so that it shakes your house. That it shakes the church. That it shakes the nations. It shakes the world. It shakes... You see, if your prayer life is, now I lay me down to rest, or rub-a-dub-dub, bless this grub, you need to say, God's Spirit, come into my prayer life because it stinks. Amen? If your prayer life is always about you, then you've got to say, God, help me to pray about other people. Spirit, come into my life so I know how to pray for things that need to happen. Amen? They went from hiding prayer to offensive prayer. They went on the offensive. Church, we need to go on the offensive with prayer. Amen? We've got to stop saying, Oh, God, just bless our little church here in, in liberal Montgomery County. Oh, God, just protect us. We need to say, No, Father, in the name of Jesus, bind this destructive spirit. Come on, amen? Come on. The, the gay marriage laws, this abortion, this, this foolishness some of our politicians are passing. It's foolishness. What are you doing about it? Nothing. I'm just hiding till the Lord comes back. No, you need to be offensive in prayer. Come on, church, Amen. I hope I'm waking you up a little bit. This is how you freak out. But man, if you saw me praying sometimes, you think I'm crazy now. But when I'm in here by myself, I'm going all over the place. 
I'm walking. I, I don't run. But I'm praying loud. I'm praying quiet. I'm on my face. I'm yelling. I mean, there's times when I come home and you can ask my wife, my voice, horse, how's it going to, how was your day? It was a great day. But I was praying, you know. Or, I, I was, or I'm wiped out, physically tired, because I was praying in the Spirit for you, for this nation, for the nations of the world. So the prayer life went from anemic prayer to powerful prayer. Amen? Number six, purpose. When the day Pentecost came, had fully come upon them, they were all in one accord, in one place. And then again, Acts 42, it says they went from hiding to powerful purpose. The church's purpose is not just to maintain the church, not just to have nice worship services, not just to have nice kids ministries, youth ministries. ministries. Its purpose is to reach people for Jesus. Amen. We are not here for ourselves. We're here to be about God's business. So they went from hiding to invading. They went from hiding to purposing. We've got to reach our fellow neighbors, our co-workers, people that need Jesus. They went from a church waiting on God to a church that had divine power. And their purpose was to be witnesses in all the world. Acts 1.8 says that. And the church began to grow like crazy. In fact, the church is still growing today. And some of you, I don't know, you get these scare emails. Anybody get scare emails? Like almost every other week, the end of the world is coming. You get those? You know, and, and one of them is like, you know, the religions of the world are growing. Islam is growing and, and, and Buddhism's growing and all that. And it's, just, and it's like if you believed all that stuff, you would be in trouble. Did you know that at every, let me find this. The statistic, uh, this is just, and I think this might just be in, in the, there's a statistic, I'm going to find it, that every second new people are coming into the kingdom of God. Every second. Isn't that awesome? Every 16 seconds, a new believer is added to the kingdom of God. 16 seconds. Every 42 minutes, a new church is planted. Every 45 minutes, a new minister is trained. Don't believe those scare emails. In fact, Christianity has 2.6... Uh, how many? We have billions of people, right? 2.6 billion people in the world. 2.6 billion! And growing! Islam has about 2 billion. Buddhism has less than a billion. So we're like, oh, it's the end of the world. No, the church has been growing because of Pentecost. Sadly, the church in America, though, is dying because they're pushing the Holy Spirit out. And they're pushing out doctrine. And so we've got to say, God, we want the doctrine of God. We want the Holy Spirit. Amen? We want to be about purpose. The church is growing. Let's connect with God. Amen? Number seven, proclamation. Number seven, proclamation. I'm getting down. Believe it or not, we only have two left. Proclamation. Acts 2.14. Then Peter stood up from, from the eleven. He raised his voice. I'm going to preach Pentecostal. He raised his voice uh, and addressed the crowd uh, and fellow Jews uh, and all who... See, that's, isn't that something like old, path, old time Pentecostal? Woo-hoo, I'm getting excited, Pastor. What is it? And some of you are like, what do you do, Pastor? Have you seen that? The charismatic, you know, the little... Okay, never mind. Some of you think that's like 80s dancing. I never was into 80s dancing. I just don't got it. Okay? I struggle sometimes. Anyway, and so Peter goes from being a man that was cursing all the time and then saying, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And then what did he do to Jesus? He denied him how many times? Three times. He went from that and they're hiding in the upper room just, oh God. And then the Holy Spirit, boom, comes upon them. And then he gets up and he raises up in a bold voice and he says this. And then... Acts 2, 37, bless you. 41 says, and it says, And then they were cut to the heart and added to that church that day were 3,000 people. So the Pentecostal promise is proclamation. We must proclaim Jesus resurrected. Amen? Come on, well, pastor, I might lose my job. God will provide a better job. 
I might get laughed at. That's okay because it's the truth and the truth helps them come to know Jesus. Amen? You need to talk about Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. He stands up, he preaches, and I, I have seen with my own eyes at a Promise Keepers event in Boulder, Colorado, and the stadium wasn't packed because I think the stadium holds, uh, Folsom Field holds over 70,000. I think there were probably 40 to 50,000 men at a Promise Keepers event. And, and one of the altar times they all asked for salvation, I saw over 3,000 men get out of their seats and go down and receive Jesus. I've seen that with my own eyes. Can it happen today? Yes, it does. I've seen with my own eyes on a missions trip, in youth conventions, youth camps, hundreds of kids, kids camps, coming up to the altar accepting Jesus. Literally, we were, we were in uh, Chihuahua, Mexico. Okay, Chihuahua, Mexico. And we were, we, one day, I mean, I, my, my Spanish, my Spanish is muy mal. It's terrible. So I was pre- preaching and trying to speak, and they had, a, they had an interpreter. Thank God for the interpreter. And we were preaching, and we said, come down to the front. And I was talking about the end times. And, 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 and it literally, there were people outside the doors. I mean, they had cinder block like this, but they didn't have air conditioner. They, didn't have, they had like this... Uh, Open windows. There were people standing outside the windows. There were people standing outside the street. And I said, come receive Jesus. And they said, receive it. I said, Cristo. And all of a sudden, just hundreds of people coming down to the altar. Here I am, a 20-some-year-old guy, and I see this with my own eyes. That is the power of Pentecost. We were literally crawling over people. They were crying on their face before God. You know, you know, they're calling out to God, save me, heal me, and all this Spanish. And we literally were crawling over people. The team and I, we were praying. The church, we were praying. Can that happen here? Amen. It should be happening. We need the power of Pentecost. Churches, this should be the way churches everywhere. Not this... Holy, holy, holy. We should be full of the power of proclamation. People should be coming to know Jesus. Amen? The last thing is provision. Oh, this is a good one. Provision. Acts chapter 2, 47. It says they shared with one another. Everyone had everything in common. Provision. A new spirit of care and a new spirit of giving arose in the church that day. They went from hiding and saying, this is mine, to saying, what can I do to help people in the, key, in the kingdom of God? How can we further the gospel? How can we be about God's business? You see, God, listen, God funds what He wants to do through His people. Stop praying for a billionaire to send us a check until after you start giving. Then pray for the billionaire to send the check. Amen? God works through His people. You are the provision for the vision of this church. Now, if you're a tither, you're a giver, then don't be offended. I get, Pastor! Woo! Hallelujah! You're talking about money! I'm, I mean, people get mad about it. Why? Because the Spirit of God needs to come into you. I'm going to drink what's left here. The Spirit of God needs to get a hold of your checkbook. Well, I don't feel led to give, Pastor. I don't feel led to give. Then get filled with the Spirit. And you'll just want to give. Amen? You're going to want to give. I've never done that before, huh? I've thrown them down, but they've never popped. Wow, that's the Holy Spirit. Or me. But you see, they went from hiding to multiplying. And it says, in fact, check this out. I've got to read this to you. One of the churches after the Pentecost in, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, the Macedonian church was a church in poverty. It says, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. 
Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not, they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to them, to, to then, to us in keeping with God's will. So a church, after the Spirit comes upon them, they say, we want to give. In poverty, extreme poverty, they gave more than probably other churches gave. And you see, a lot of times we think, well, man, pastor, we're not McLean Bible Church. We're not Church Redeemer. Blah, 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 blah. We are who we are. And did you know that the average church in America is less than 100 people? 85% of churches in America are less than 120 people. And God gives through all those congregations. These churches, Christian churches, are still the most generous churches in the world when, when trouble comes. In fact, in missions, churches excel when they give to missions. In fact, our church of 150-some people, sometimes 120 people, listen to this. Um, last year, our church, with total giving and gifts, our church gave 46000 Do I have this? Do I have a slide? Yeah. Our church gave $46,039 last year to, to missions. That's total gifts, and some other people gave outside. Okay, and so, so the, the next thing it says, our church moved up from our district of 326 churches. I'm not bragging. I'm just excited about what God is doing. From a 68 to 59 churches out of 326. That's you giving because the Spirit guided you. Amen? This is what we give to missions. And our church was third, hit the next slide, was third in the nation as somebody's got to hit the next slide. Do I have it? Maybe not. We were third in the nation. Third in the nation. No, okay. I get, uh, maybe a typo. So we were third in the nation. Uh, our district, which is uh, Maryland, Virginia, and D.C., and some couple churches in West Virginia and uh, Pennsylvania, um, our, church, our district, the Assemblies of God, gave third of the nation, and our district gave $9.4 million to missions. Only two churches, one church gave over a million, one church gave under a million. So, so the rest of those churches, for that most part, 85% of them are under 120 people. So who gave the bulk of that money? Churches saying, God, use us. So never think, well, I don't have any money. God can multiply money. Come on. You give it, he will multiply it. Jesus took what? Five? Five loaves and five fishes, and he fed how many people? Thousands. So when you give your $10, your $5, your $1,000, your $100,000, your million dollars, by the way, if you give that, God can multiply it. He can do that. When you give, when, when we all give, and, and Tom, Pastor Tom says, I need your help. I want you to pray with me. Can you help us? And we start giving. Say, God, we can give them so much money a month. Other churches do it, and it multiplies and helps them to continue to stay busy. And it helps our missionaries all over the world and locally stay on the field preaching the gospel. By the way, the Assemblies of God missionaries are the best funded missionaries in the world because we believe in this Pentecostal giving provision mission. And sadly, sadly, in the Pentecostal charismatic churches, some of those people have abused that. Yeah, they live on these highfalutin lifestyles, and they've abused that. And God will deal with them. But for the most part, we're to give and let God multiply it. Amen? Let Him move you. Well, Pastor Stan, I don't have any money. God gives you something. I mean, literally, well, Pastor, I don't have any money. Then say, God, give me something so I can give back. So yes, pay my bills and, and let me have stuff for myself, but let me also give so the kingdom of God can expand. This is the promise. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Have you received the promises of Pentecost? 
This morning, I, I want to have an altar time for those that want to come up and respond to the Holy Spirit. I want you to, to say, you know what, Pastor Stan? I want, I want this boldness that you're talking about. I want this, this power of the Holy Spirit to flow in my lives and in my life. Maybe there's a stronghold that needs to be broken in your family, in your workplace, in, in your neighborhood, in, in this, even in this area. And you say, God, I need God to flow through that. Maybe you need to say, Pastor Stan, I need the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit to blow up my dead religion. Or, or Pastor Stan, I want my anemic prayers to turn into powerful, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled prayers. Or, you know what, I don't, I don't want to just make a living anymore. I want to live on purpose and make a difference. Amen? Holy Spirit, would you just begin to flow right now? Breathe into us, Father God. Holy Spirit, let your power be manifest in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, begin to fill every one of us. Let us not not be afraid of being spirit-filled. We're not going to roar on the floor. We're not going to act like weirdos. We're going to be filled with power, God, to do your work. You're going to send us out to our homes, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, the highways and the byways with the power of God, with the presence of God. Lord, with the, with the gifts and the provision of God, with all these things, you're going to purify us. You're going to give us purpose. Your presence will be with us. That's what we desire, Father God. Holy Spirit, would you begin to flow? Church, just begin to pray right now. Call on the Holy Spirit. Welcome Him in this place. Welcome Him into your life. Welcome Him into your thoughts. Help Him to cleanse out the junk of the world. Let Him burn out that dead wood that's keeping your faith dead. Let Him blow out the the old stale faith and you need new faith and you need new power. Let His presence be manifest in your life to give you boldness, to give you courage, to give you strength and that you'll proclaim the gospel unashamedly and it will pierce the hearts of the hearers and they'll say, what must I do to be saved? Lord, let the power of God be manifest that this church is full every Sunday. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People being healed. People being saved, Lord. And we have to send out more and start new churches. We can help other churches and do work for your glory. This is your plan, God. I've seen it with my eyes and I've seen it in the spiritual world that that's going to happen at this church. So I'm asking you to make it happen. And it begins with us waiting here in our Jerusalem until we've been endued with power from on high. Would you just begin to welcome the Holy Spirit? Come on, church. This is not time to be quiet. Begin to pray. Begin to say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your strength. Fill me with boldness that I can be about the business of God. Spirit of God, would you flow? Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of what He wants to do in your life. He just wants to empower you. He wants to fill you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to make you bold in the name of Jesus to do great things for Him. Just welcome Him right now. Just welcome Him right now. We welcome you, Spirit of God. We welcome you, Spirit of God. If you want the promises of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come to the front. I want to pray with you. Say, I want this boldness from God. Come on down. I want this boldness. Or you know what? I need God's power to break these strongholds. Come on down. Or you know what? I want to be a bold witness in my community. You know what, God? I want the gifts of the Spirit to flow out of my church. I want you to come down. You know what? Pastor said, I need the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit to come into my life. I want you to come down. Come on right now. Come on down. Or you know what, Pastor Stan? I want to move from anemic prayers to powerful spiritual prayers. Come on down. Pastor Stan, I want to live on purpose. I want, to, I want my faith to have purpose. Come on down. Come on down. Lord, I want my church to move from just a Sunday morning church to a church of Pentecostal power. Come on down. God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Come on down. Come on down. Holy Spirit, have your way. Come on down. I want God's Spirit. I want His presence. I want His boldness. I want His gifts. I want to break strongholds in the images. I want to be a witness in my community. I want, to, I want the presence of God to be evident in my life and in this church. Please come as the Holy Spirit guides you. Come on down. Receive what God is doing. Receive this power. Receive the strength. Receive this anointing in the name of Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit. 
Baptize us. Refresh us. Renew us. Empower us. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you in the name of Jesus. We need you, Father God. Spirit of God, flow. Empower. Anoint. Heal. Refresh. Break strongholds. Give your presence. Give power. Give wisdom. Give knowledge. Give direction today. Break through today. Break through today in the name of Jesus. Just receive. Just receive what the Holy Spirit is going to do.
He's doing a powerful work right now. We receive your work, God. We receive your power in the name of Jesus. We receive your works, God. We receive, God. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. We want your work, God. We want your power. Have your way, God. Refresh, renew. Breathe into us now, God. Right now, friends, in, in my spirit's eye, I do. I see like this fire. Just, it just came in the door. I'm, don't be weird. Don't be weirded out. But it's hovering above us right now. And it's waiting to descend upon us when we call on Him. The wind wants to blow the fire into our lives and purify us. Cleanse us of the world. Cleanse us of fears. Cleanse us of our dead faith and renew and refresh us. So would you just receive it? Come on, just say, I receive it. I receive this fresh fire. Let it come down, God. Let it come down. Let it come down from the rafters. Fill us. Burn out the junk. Burn out our dead religion. Burn out the stuff of the world. Burn out fears and doubts in our humanity. And fill our humanity up with the power and the presence of God. Do the work, God. Do the work. Do the work in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive it. Receive it, church. Receive it. Receive it. It's coming. It's coming. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to speak in tongues. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to stand still. Don't be afraid to lay down. Don't be afraid to let the Spirit flow. Come on, God. Come on, Holy Spirit. Do your work right now. Refresh. Restore. Renew. Fill in the name of Jesus. Fill in the name of Jesus. Like the mighty wind, do the work. way in you right now. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of him. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you, wants to empower you, wants to be, be there for you. Don't be afraid of him. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Father God. God wants to release. 
what I, the first thing I see right now, I see a candle and the flame has gone out. And it's just smoke coming up from it. Some of us have let our spiritual passion go out. It's a white candle. It's been purified by the blood of Jesus, but the, the, the smoke is just rising because the candle, the passion of the flame has gone out. And God wants to refresh it. He wants to relight it again. And it's going to come when you open up your lives. When you open up your, your life to Him, the Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to refresh. He wants to fill you up again. He wants to renew you. So would you just do that right now in the name of Jesus? Say, God, fill me up with this passion again. Relight my fire. Relight this flame in my life. for us today and I believe it's this you're saying I surrender but you're holding on and you can't surrender unless you let go if you think about it when you surrender something if you surrender your if you surrender yourself to someone who's robbing you you're not holding back for fear of your life if you are surrendering to God you cannot hold back anything of your life. Not for fear, but for the love and the awe and respect that you have for Him. Amen. Full, true surrender is a complete and total, total release. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, we release to you right now. We don't, we don't hold back anymore, God. We're all in. We're all in, God. We, we give you everything. Our fears, our strengths, our victories, our, our finances, our family, our friends, our singleness, our marriage, our, our, our doubts, our struggles, our sins. We give it all to you, God. We let go. We let go. We surrender. Arms up. Hands open. We say we surrender to you, God. Everything. Because you can do so much more when we surrender. You can do so much more when we let go. Some of us are still holding on to the ways of the world. We're still getting stoned. We're still getting drunk. We're still looking at stuff we shouldn't look at. Lord, deliver us from those things. Some of us are we're so enamored by this world. We want to be like everyone else. Lord, let us let go of that. Some of us are in fear of giving our tithes and offerings. Some of us are in fear of worshiping and putting our hands up. Some of us are in fear of sharing the faith of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. Some of us are fearful of praying out loud and praying in the Spirit. Some of us are afraid of receiving the gifts of the Spirit. We want it all, God. We want to be a powerful Pentecostal church with all the promises of God. So we release. We surrender, God. Come on, church. We surrender. We surrender everything, God. You have our lives, God. We will be what you want. We will go where you want us to go. We will do what you want us to do. Greater things are going to happen, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Have your way in us, God. 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 There might be more, but this is one of the last things that God wants me to say this morning that I have. The first is this, is, is as a church, this church and all churches that call themselves Christian churches, we must unite in prayer. Prayer needs to be the engine that drives this church. Pastor Stan can't drive this church. Praise and worship can't drive this church. Money can't drive this church. Prayer must be the engine that drives this church. Prayer puts us in the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, we hear His voice and we do what He tells us to do. 
We have faith. We have anointing. I tell you, my own life, when I stop, when I get too busy to pray, I begin to worry about stuff. I begin to doubt. I begin to stress about things. When I stop that, I say, I'm coming back to you, God. I begin to get into prayer. All that changes again. God says, I will take care of that. I will strengthen that. I will break through. This church must be a praying church. Amen? So whatever that is, we must unite in prayer, not just for you and me and all that, but pray that this church is about it. Then we need to pray for churches like Pastor Tom's church and other gospel-preaching churches that are all over this area. God wants the power of God to fall on all of these churches. We must unite in power. Amen? The next thing is you have to, as I talked about in the message, you need to learn about warfare prayer. I've talked about it plenty of times. I've given books on it. We've given lessons. We'll do it again probably sometime in the fall. If you've never read the book, you need to read the book. It's called Touch the World Through Prayer by, by uh, Pastor Duell, Wesley Duell. He was a pastor in, in, in India, and he talks about warfare prayer. You need to read it. Touch the World Through Prayer. If you don't remember it, email me. I'll give you the title, Pastor Wesley Duell. You need to learn how to stop praying just for yourself. You need to pray for yourself, but you need to start praying God prayers. God prayers are, God, I want all people in India to be saved. I want all people in Africa to be saved. I want all people on island nations to be saved. I want all people in Asia to be saved. I want all Latin nations to be saved. I want all of North America saved, Central America, South America. Do you see what I'm saying? God wants you to have warfare prayer. When we see this scourge of abortion and violence upon our land, instead of just blaming politicians, we need to say, Father, I bind this, this violence. Amen? In the name of I bind this abortion. I bind the work of the devil. You need to begin to pray in warfare prayer in the name of Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Amen? So you need to do that. So we need to break. We need to pray united in prayer with this church and other churches. We need to break down strongholds. And finally, we need to break through the strongholds that's keeping this church back. I'm telling you, God is going to do some great things in your life and in this church. And I don't know what's holding us back. And I do. I'm going to be honest with you. I say, God, am I the one holding us back? Is it me, Lord? No, it's not me alone. It's all of us not believing and us not paying the price in prayer saying, God, we want you to break through. We like our comfortable faith. We like that we can control God in an hour and a half. We like some nice worship music. We don't like to wait around. We don't, we're always in a hurry. You've got to break your stronghold of time. Sunday needs to become a very important day. I'm talking to the pastor now. I love you. Amen? Amen? Your prayer time must be important. Your fellowship time with other believers must be important. You must begin to break through the strongholds that are holding us back. Father, whatever stronghold's holding every person back, we break it in the name of Jesus. Every high place must come down. Every stronghold must be broken in the name of Jesus because you've overcome. And now the strongholds that are holding this church back from reaching forward and doing more, Lord, we break the stronghold, whether it's fear, whether it's religiosity, whether it's safe Christianity, we break it, or maybe it's tiredness, maybe it's being worn out. Whatever